Welcome to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. Welcome. Thank you for listening to the Activate podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom, a ministry resource of Journey Church International here in Lee Summit. My name's Ryan. It's always my privilege to get to host uh, on the podcast, hopefully helping to activate your faith, helping you to grow. Uh, we're in the middle, uh, almost. Be- no, I'd say we're in the we're in the eighth inning. We're we're, we're almost done. Message eight of nine. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we so are. we actually are in the eighth inning. Yeah. Since there are nine messages. And nine innings in a baseball game. Look yep. at me pulling out the baseball, in and the it just inning. worked perfectly. There you go. We're baseball fans. Um, it's a series called The Way of Jesus, and uh, of course we've been diving into the book of Matthew. We're not done. There's more to come. Um, we're, we, we've been looking at the teachings of Jesus, uh, his Beatitudes, and this week's message is called The In-Between, and, and this whole premise, right? Every week we've been looking at, we're learning the ways of Jesus so we can live life like Jesus as followers of Jesus. Um, two things. Uh, first, um, Pastor Christian, I want to know, has Alex watched the tombstone? Alex, have you watched tombstone yet? Oh, <laughs> oh please. Li- listen, Thanksgiving break is coming. <laughs> we need you to watch tombstone. Yeah. Okay. So you, you couldn't hear by that. The en- by the end of the year, by the end of the year, I need you to watch Tombstone, and then I need you to get a microphone for our podcast so you can tell us what you thought of it, okay? That's right. We want to, right. we want to hear. So you didn't right. hear it, but he, he kind of, in telling us he didn't watch Tombstone, he kissed up and said he'd been listening to all the Activate podcasts. So, you know, he was, uh, that was, that was a nice move. Um, you, you will enjoy it. Yes, that's your homework for Thanksgiving break. Um, Pastor Christian, Christmas services are just a month away. Uh, what, what are you excited about and how are you praying for this Christmas season? Um, so Ryan, probably I am approaching this Christmas season with a little more lament. I mean, if I, if I can just like really be transparent, um, approaching this Christmas season with a little more lament because, uh, because it's, because it's going to be different. And right, I mean, I'm, I'm watching the same news that everyone else is and I'm seeing, I'm seeing that this Christmas for a lot of families is going to be different, especially for families with older family members, for families that have family members with pre-existing conditions in their health. It can be a lot of families who are together every Christmas who aren't together this Christmas. There are going to be families who this year should be celebrating probably their last Christmas with grandma and grandpa and who won't be able to see them because of the season that we're living through, uh, which is which is just totally heartbreaking. But in the midst of that, I remember that Christmas, I mean, is the true story um, of a baby born into a broken world where people were sick and people were dying, and there was there was chaos globally, you know, as the Roman Empire was in their, you know, in their final couple hundred years um, of existence, um, you know, the 2,000 years on either side of Jesus, uh, he was the one who turned the calendar from B.C. to A.D. before Christ to Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. Um, Jesus came and he split, he split a broken human history with the story of peace and with the story of restoration, with the story of hope and with the story of joy. And it's my hope that in the 2020-2021 calendar years that are going to be filled with so much death and so much brokenness and so much anxiety and so much conflict that we stop again 
to celebrate a baby who broke into time to bring people peace and to bring people hope and to bring people healing and to bring people joy. And I think this Christmas holds the same message for the the people of our church, the people of our community, the people of our world that it held for the shepherds on that first Christmas. Behold, a Savior has been born, like someone Someone who can rescue you from all the bad has been born. Christmas is the time where we get to trumpet that message again, and it's going to look different this year. My hope is that we'll have as many families gathered behind a screen at home with each other as we do actually sitting in the rows at our church. Uh, but I'm, I'm excited to once again remind people Christmas is a story of a Savior being born into a broken world so he can fix everything in our hearts on this side of eternity and fix everything on earth on the other side of eternity. That's a real, true story. It happened 2,000 years ago, and it happens every time that someone realizes Jesus was born for them, and they become born again through him. And like you said, it'll be in person, it'll be online, and lives will be changed. I think of last Christmas when we had family in town, and they came. And I remember them making decisions for Christ. So yeah, your uncle, your uncle Tim, yeah. last year made a decision on Christmas. So I was in our Sunday night Bible study that your mom and your stepdad are a part of, and I was talking to your mom um, about Thanksgiving, you know, and asking her where are you guys going for Thanksgiving. She said we're headed up to Nebraska, and she said, well, you know, we'll we'll probably we'll be with Journey people up there because my brother watches Journey every Sunday. And I said, is that Uncle Tim? And she said, yes, Uncle Tim. Um, people really get saved at Christmas at Journey. Lives and eternal lives are really changed at Christmas at Journey. And whether it's through a screen or whether it's in person this Christmas, I anticipate that happening again and look forward as a church to providing comfort for those who are going to need it in this season. Remind them we're with them, we're praying for them, and providing the hope of a Savior for those who don't know Jesus yet. And for you listening, um, boy, in action steps, start thinking about who you're going to invite digitally or in person. Uh, who who do you know needs impacted and begin to pray, pray for our services, pray for God to really, really work in a powerful way. Pastor Christian, Sunday's uh, beatitude was from Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Uh, as you discuss peace, you use the Hebrew word shalom, and then you said God's high, this was such, it was an encapsulating statement that that resonated with me. And it said, God's highest good for mankind is to live in relationship with him and experience all that he has for you. And for and this was the powerful part, and for the world through you. Why is that statement and the word shalom such a perfect summary of God's plan for humanity? Yeah, so if, if you go to Israel, um, right, you don't say, hey, what's up? When you pass someone on the street, if you were speaking Hebrew to them, you would say shalom. If you were speaking Arabic, you would say salam. Um, salam alaikum. You may have heard mu- your Muslim friends greet each other that way. The word shalom means peace, but it doesn't mean peace as in the absence of conflict. Um, a lot of people, when they think of peace as the absence of conflict, and they think of greeting someone like that, it it would be like you every day walking out of the house and telling your wife, um, like, bye, honey. Um, I hope you don't have a bad day. Like, that is not shalom. Shalom is, I hope you don't have a bad day. Shalom is not, I hope you don't have an enemy. Shalom is, I hope you have the best day. I hope you have the greatest thing that God could give anyone. I hope you have that. So when we go to 
by the way, Jerusalem. Um, we say Jerusalem, Salem, but it is Jerusalem, the city of peace. And when we worship Jehovah Shalom, God, our peace, um, we are saying when when we are saying Shalom to someone, we are saying we want you to experience God's peace. We're saying we want you to experience God's highest good for you. And the very best thing that God can do for you, one, is to allow you to live in relationship with him and experience all of his attributes for you and all of his spirit in you. And then the second highest good is for then you to be used to help other people experience all of God's attributes through you and his spirit through you. So when God says, blessed are the peacemakers, obviously we can't learn anything about peace until we learn about Jesus. And what we have to learn about peace through Jesus is that you can't make peace until you're in the in-between. That's why the series of our message was called In-Between. It was only when Jesus was raised up in between humanity and God. While he was with God, humanity didn't have peace. And while he was with humanity, humanity didn't have peace. But when he was raised up between God and humanity on the cross, and he hung in between heaven and earth, he brought heaven and earth together. And what we're saying is when you experience peace through Jesus and are connected with God, and then you allow your life to help other people experience peace with Jesus through God, you're stepping out of the world just like Jesus was hung on a tree and suspended between heaven and earth. You in a, in a kind of, in a metaphorical sense are saying, I'm going to step out of all the arguments and the divisions and I'm going to stand in between because in between is the place where I can connect people to the God above me, the God behind me, the God before me, the God in me, and and connect him through the things he's called me to do to the people in my life and in the world. So it's a position, you know, being a peacemaker is choosing to kind of in some points live in the in-between for God's highest good, which is helping people see Jesus in you and through you and hopefully helping people meet Jesus for themselves. And it's fun to say when you're uh, in Israel and uh, everyone, yeah. everyone you pass, shalom, and then you come back and, uh, you know. Yeah, and I told the story on Sunday, like one of the highest selling shirts in Israel is a shirt that says shalom, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> shalom, y'all, with a smiley face that I think maybe has like a cowboy hat on it, yes. which means there are so many American redneck Christians that go to Jerusalem that they have made them a t-shirt. It's yeah. one of the highest selling <laughs> things in the Holy Land. Shalom, Y'all. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when I was checking out church for the first time years ago, I, I was nervous about it. I, I wasn't sure I'd be welcomed. I wasn't sure God would welcome me. And in the message, you unpack much of Romans 5. And it was actually Romans 5, 8, uh, which is, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That helped me to realize that I could have peace with God. And when I realized that, I asked him, and I asked him to forgive me. He saved me, and he transformed me. Why is transformation such an important part of our relationship with Jesus? Well, you know, transformation. You know, if we if we look at the story of Scripture, uh, Genesis is creation, and then it goes to corruption, and then eventually you have a Savior who who comes and allows you to enter Christianity. But then the end of the the end of the whole story is a recreation. For for Christians, we believe transformation is is just kind of like a reformation of going back to what we should have been, what we could have been if we would have been created in a perfect existence. But like before there was sin in the world, we believe transformation is just 
being transported back to a perfect relationship with God. In Romans chapter 12, you mentioned Romans 5, Romans chapter 12 says that once you become a Christian, you don't want to any longer be conformed to the pattern of the world. And Romans 5 says the pattern of the world is born broke, live in rebellion, run from God. But then when you realize even in that state, he loves you and he's, he's pursuing you and he wants a relationship with you and you realize you don't have to do anything but accept his surrender in your battle on your behalf and then the life that he gives you. While, while you were still an enemy of God, we read in Romans chapter 5, like while you were still God's enemy, he chose to love you. And he sent Jesus to fight the battle. Jesus became his enemy for a moment in time so that he could die for your sin. When you realize that, Paul says in Romans 12, you're not conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but you're transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can know what God's good and perfect and pleasing will is. Once you really wrap your mind around, I was an enemy of God, but he pursued me and gave me a chance to become a friend of God, to become connected to God. When you begin to wrap your heart and your mind around that, all you want to do is know the God who would love you that much. Find out his will. You want to live um, to please him, and you realize that is the life that is perfection. That's the life he created you for, which is which is shalom. It's his highest good for you to be connected to him and then to live the perfect life he created you to live doing what he created you to do. And I, and I love you also. You kind of follow up. You say all the Beatitudes are about the ways of Jesus that his followers are supposed to have their lives transformed into. Um, if we are to follow all these wonderful um, Beatitudes, it's a transformed life. It is a life that looks extremely different than my lost self as I walked into that church. Um, now, right, and we, and, and we talked about we talked about living in such a way to bring peace to any and every situation and people saying, well, I don't have a single person in my life who did that. Yeah, but Jesus did that. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you're supposed to be becoming like him, not, not all the other friends in your life. You're supposed to be living in the way of Jesus, not the way of the world. And the way of Jesus is different. It's blessedly different as we're learning through Matthew chapter five. Amen. It was out of the Beatitudes are some of the very first verses I memorized because they, they so transformed who I was trying to live like. Right. You share a real powerful quote from Pastor Derwin Gray uh, that I think is an activate moment for the people listening today. And here's the quote. Yeah. You said, if you want to know if you belong to God, ask yourself if you are actively making peace. Making peace is active. You are a bridge builder and bridges are meant to be walked on in order to get people to the other side. Um, this is a tremendous quote in relation to your three steps to becoming a peacemaker. And here they are, helping people make peace with God. And then as far as it depends on you, living at peace with others. And three, because you are a child of Jesus, working to help people live at peace with each other. Which do you feel people, kind of a two-part question, which do you feel people need the most help with? And, and why Why do the steps to being a peacemaker seem maybe fewer and fewer uh, far between in our Christian culture today? So I'm going to answer the second one first, um, and I'll repeat it. Why do the steps to being a peacemaker seem more few and far between in our Christian culture today? It's because Christian culture looks like American culture. Christian culture needs to return to looking like Jesus culture because there's nothing about being a peacemaker that is out of line or out of step with real Christian culture. But what we call Christian culture really is church culture in America. 
and Ryan, I'm not sure why. I'm not, I'm not, I, I, I understand some of the reasons. But for some reason in the last decade, the church has felt like in the areas of social media, politics, that they are, they're sick of turning the other cheek. They're sick of going the extra mile. They're sick of forgiving 40, you know, you know, 70 times seven. They're sick if someone asks them for their cloak to give their tunic as well. They're just sick of it. And they've decided to punch back. And we have been drawn into a fight with the world on the world's terms. And we don't win spiritually that way. We don't win spiritually that way. We serve a Savior who said, if I want to call a legion of angels to destroy y'all, shalom y'all, to destroy y'all right now, I could. That is not my way at this time. In the future, I will return. And I will judge the living and the dead and my wrath will fall on all those for who it is reserved for, for the day of eternal judgment. But today is not that day. And my followers will be known by their patience, by their forgiveness, by their love, by their long suffering, by their turning the other cheek, by their going the extra mile. This is how you'll know who mine are. And I'm not sure where American Christians, I'm not sure where in Scripture they have gotten the idea from that it's we've had enough and we have to fight back. But after a decade of doing it, you tell me, are we more at peace with the world who doesn't know Jesus? Like, are we pulling like are we pulling them closer to Jesus? Do we feel closer to them? Are we living in relationship with them, or have we been drawn into the devil's battle? of saying, um, boy, I know how to convince someone who's lost to never become a Christian to make sure a Christian punches them right in the nose. That'll seal their fate forever. And I think we've, 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 been, we've been drawn into that fight. Um, so why do the steps of being a peacemaker seem more few and far between in Christian culture today? Because Christian culture is losing Christian culture. Christian culture is losing the way of Jesus, and we're kind of picking up some of the spirit of a, you know, of a, of a, of Americanism um, and individualism. Um, what do I feel that people need the most help with? Obviously, the most important one to me is helping people make peace with God. That's the only eternal um, one of the three. I think next, I mean, I, I think the order is is probably the priority. Help people make peace with God. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with others. I mean, if it's if it's at all possible, live at peace with others. The Apostle Paul even said, every now and then, you might let someone wrong you in order to not constantly be in a fight with them. That might show the world who Jesus is. Maybe. Think about it. Try it. Um, so I think that's important. And if we can do that, I, I do think, especially in the church, if we can work to help people live at peace with each other who might be living in relational tension, um, you know, I... I, th- I think we could help marriages heal. I think we could help parents and kids get along. I think maybe we could help friends um, restore friendships. I think all three of those are important, but I do think they're in, in that priority. If we help people live at peace with each other, but they don't live at peace with God, we eternally we fail. 
If we live at peace with people, but we don't help them live at peace with God, eternally we have failed. If we can help people make peace with God, we trust that His Holy Spirit will help them make peace with others if they live according to His Word, even if we choose not to. Great stuff, Pastor Christian. Let me let me just read this um, beatitude again. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And um, I think Jesus said that because uh, he knew we would face the difficulties. He knew we would face difficult people. He knew we would face injustice. Um, but he's calling us to be peacemakers. And, so. I w- and I would say this. We didn't get to it in this podcast. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Two words for children in the Greek language we talked about. One that was kind of the tender affection that a parent sees a child with. Um, one was a term people would use of children when they look like their parents. And when we read, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God, it's the second term. It's the thing that makes people think about your parents when they look at you, which means when people of the world who know Jesus or who are aware of Jesus see you acting like him as a peacemaker, they think, he looks like his dad. He he looks like his spiritual father right now. Look at him. Don't they resemble each other? The hairline, the nose, the jawline, the way they walk, the way they talk. I mean, you, you know how you meet someone who reminds you of their of, of their parents. Um, and you're like, man, they're a spitting image of their parents. When you become a peacemaker, you look a, you look a lot like your spiritual father, and that is a look that all of us want to have. Which says that if you don't look like that, yeah, it says the opposite, yeah. perhaps. And the John MacArthur quote uh, in my message was maybe one of the strongest that I've ever used in our church. If you don't. If you are not making peace, you are either not a Christian or you're a disobedient Christian, one or the other. Like Those are your options. If you're not making peace, you're not a Christian or you're a disobedient Christian. Or you can make peace and look like your spiritual father. Great message, great series, um, great list of things to help us become more like Jesus. Great way to end the podcast, Pastor Christian. Thank you. Uh, Great information. Some If you've been listening, this is one you probably want to listen to again. Um, So much practical truth in this. uh, So many ways to follow Jesus in the midst of our culture today. Uh, We want to thank you for tuning in and listening. Uh, We hope you'll be sure to tune in soon to not only this Sunday, but our Christmas services coming up. We will give you a schedule of those uh, in the very near future. But we look forward to uh, uh, seeing you on Sunday at either 8, 9.30, or 11, or of course, we're always online, Facebook Live, YouTube, the JCI app. You can catch catch us on our website, takethejourney.cc. We would love to hear how God's working in your life, or if we can answer a question for you, you can email us at activate at takethejourney.cc. Otherwise, we look forward to catching you next time on the Activate Podcast, where we challenge you to build faith that is active. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Activate. We would love for you to join us in person for one of our weekly worship experiences. You can find out more information about JCI on our website at takethejourney.cc. Help us get the word out about this resource. You can do so by subscribing, reviewing, and sharing this episode on your favorite social media platform. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.